I want to honor my mom because she's going to be really ticked off. She's watching online. I love you, mama. Thank you for pushing me out. Uh, thank you that I'm your favorite. I'm one of four boys. Oh, you worried about me saying push out? If you don't know, I'm Pastor Corey, and uh, I'm the inappropriate one. We're going to have fun this morning if you're good. I want to honor my wife. I love you, baby. I, uh, I witnessed my wife give birth to our daughter. Like, I witnessed. I was right there, like, hut, hut, hike, right there. And a lot of people are weirded out by that. I thought it was one of, and this is weird. I know guys that have never watched is probably gruesome, but it was one of the most beautiful and spectacular things I've ever witnessed in my life. Because think about it, dudes. Our bodies are useless. Oh, come on. Women's bodies carry a child for nine months and then can literally feed it. Our bodies do not much. So women, man, we honor you in this place. I love you. Happy Mother's Day. Seriously, it's amazing. But I also know that this day can also represent disappointment for a lot of mothers in this room that can't be moms. And so I want you to know that, that God is still a good God in spite of our uh, discouragements, in spite of our heartbreak situations. And for the people in here that are so desperately trying to be moms, or maybe you can't be a mom because you haven't found a man yet, I'm believing that this year is going to be a great year for you. Oh, if you ain't excited about that, you ain't going to be excited about what I'm going to share this morning because I believe that God is still alive. I believe that he's active. I believe that he's powerful in us. Come on. Let, let me share you this, like right off the bat, a little controversy. Can I say something controversial? But I'm going to explain it for you. Uh, we are a church that stands on the person of Jesus Christ. But I want to encourage you to recognize the truth that Christ in you is greater than a physical Christ standing next to you. Christ in you is greater than a physical Christ standing next to you. I, I grew up in middle school like with this idea. I wish Jesus was just here so he could do a couple of miracles and impress all my friends so they come to know Jesus Christ. You, like, you, you, you know, you picking up what I'm putting down? But the reality is, is Jesus even told his own disciples that he has to go so that the Spirit can come because up to this point in humanity, the Spirit had never lived in people. He came on people, but he never lived in people. And so he leaves, and Jesus in this moment says, if I go and the Spirit comes, you will do greater things than I myself have done. But I believe that Ameri uh, uh, many American Christians are walking around dead not realizing that we have the power in Christ, power of Christ in us to do greater things than he himself did on this earth. We're just asleep to it. So can you wake up to the reality of who you are? I don't have a typical Mother's Day message. We are in a series called Transitioned. And as Pastor Shanik uh, previewed us last week with this idea that transitions are hard. Can I get an amen? Okay, my wife gave birth to our child and we moved in the same week. And science will tell you that the most stressful things on a marriage are firstborn children and moving. We did, the, we did both of those in the same week and we got through it. Holla at your boy. And a new job, yeah, and my wife was, and I released a book, literally all within the same week. We're, we're supermen and women. No, we're not. We just believe in a great big God that can carry us in the midst of our stress. And this is the reality of what transitions are, right? We, some of you have transitioned jobs, you transitioned careers, you transitioned states, you transitioned family, right? When you move out of mom and dad's house and move in with your new honey. That's a transition, Especially if you're a little bit older and you got a lot of selfish ways and you got to unlearn some of the things that you got to do in your life, you know? You ain't going to help me this morning. Transitions are difficult. 
However, the transition of covenants is what we're talking about. Happened 2,000 years ago. The transition happened so that we could live alive, free, full of love, hope, and joy in the midst of our circumstances. This is good news. Covenant conversations. I'm going to teach you something today to piggyback what Pastor Shannon spoke about last week. I know that uh, from Facebook, a lot of you guys were like blown away. As Sean says, our friend Sean, your mind grapes were tickled last week. I saw so many Facebook posts about, man, I never recognized my true identity. I never recognized how to read the scriptures. And so today, what I'm going to unpack is really help us as 21st century Americans learn how to read our Bibles. Because if we misapply verses to us just because of verses in the Bible, you can misapply truths and promises to your life that don't apply to you. Oh, it's going to be so good. I know last week, I'm just going to highlight it. If you haven't watched it, go onto YouTube, find our YouTube channel, listen to the message last week. It was so inspiring, so like awakening to who we are as 21st century believers and how to interpret properly the scriptures. And so if you weren't around last week, we're talking about covenants this week. I'm going to land my plane today at It Is Finished on the Cross. So if you can bear with me, I got a lot of groundwork to go, but I need to know that you're with me. Are you with me this morning? You ready, to, you ready to be enlightened? You ready to be challenged? You ready to be entertained? Because I want to entertain you too. Mother's Day. It's a great day. So covenants. Pastor talked about the three types of covenants last week, right? You have your grant covenant, which is the covenant that we currently operate in because of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Amen. So there were four grant covenants in Scripture. You had one with Noah, you had one with Abraham, you had one with, with David, and you have one with Jesus. Then there was a kinship covenant. A kinship covenant is like a marriage agreement where two parties are doing equal amounts of work in the covenant to supply the covenant, to supply the needs for the people. And this is a covenant that God has with Moses. It was a covenant that God never wanted to have with Moses or the Israelite people. Okay, he never wanted it. Pastor unpacked this all last week, so if you missed it, seriously, watch it. God has a covenant with the Israelite people, a covenant that he never wanted, and then it turns into a vassal covenant, which is a covenant that like a greater person to a lesser person, but the greater person gets to rule the lesser person and punish the lesser person if the lesser person doesn't do what the greater person wants to do. Is that confusing? I hope not. You get the point? In other words, in Deuteronomy 27 and 28, there were blessings for obedience and curses for disobedience. This is a vassal covenant. This is a covenant that we do not operate in today. However, I would argue that a lot of Christians still operate this way. Do you recognize that you do not get cursed because of your disobedience today? You do not get blessed because of your obedience today. You are already 100% fully blessed in Christ. Some of the blessings that you even want in your life aren't even for you. The blessings are for you to wake up to the reality of who we are as sons and daughters, that we're already seated at the king's table, to be a blessing to the people that we do life with. If you catch that revelation, it'll change the way you go into work. Because you'll go with a different attitude, not because you hate your job, but you recognize there's people that need what you have. I'm telling you, you ain't ready for this. I'll do it this way, okay? So grant covenants are covenants that are not based on behavior. I'll prove it to you. Abraham lies to Pharaoh, right? Abraham's got this smoking hot wife. Her name is Sarah. He walks up to Pharaoh. Pharaoh's like, hey, girl, how you doing? Like in a joey voice. And uh, Abraham lies to Pharaoh about Sarah being his wife. He says that it's her sister so that he doesn't die, okay? He lies to Pharaoh. He does something wrong. Who gets cursed? Who gets cursed? Pharaoh. Abraham lies Pharaoh gets cursed. 
Why? Because God is not in a covenant relationship with Pharaoh. He's in a grant covenant relationship with Abraham. David commits adultery with Bathsheba and then murders her husband. Who is known in the scriptures as a man after God's own heart? David. Think about that. Are you, pick, are you picking up what I'm putting down? David is known as a man after God's own heart, yet that fool committed adultery and murder. I would like to submit to you that there's probably not one person in this room that has done both of those things. Yet David is known as a man after God's own heart. Why? Because David is in a grant covenant with God, which means that he's not blessed or cursed based on his behavior, but because of who they are as children of God. Moses is not in a grant covenant with God. Moses is in a kinship covenant, a vassal covenant that gives you blessings for obedience, curses for disobedience. Check this out. The Israelites are complaining about them not, not being able to drink in the desert. And God speaks to Moses, says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring water out of a rock. You just got to speak to it. But Moses in this moment, he's angry. He's frustrated. You ever been there? This happened this morning as we were trying to get our kids to church. You're going to learn today, I'm not going to speak to you. I might strike you. Just kidding. Don't call CPS. Moses, out of his frustration, instead of speaking to the rock, he strikes the rock. And who gets cursed? Moses. Why? Because he's in a covenant relationship that gives you blessings for your obedience and curses for your disobedience. In this moment, he disobeys God. He strikes the rock. Water still flows. But Moses does not get to walk into the promised land. Today, because of the covenant that Christ made with God, we are now in a grant relationship, a grant covenant that does not give you blessings based on your obedience and does not give you curses based on your disobedience. It's helping you recognize that you are a child of God regardless of your behavior. Check this out. God, in this moment with Abraham and in this moment with David, he does not honor sin. Don't miss what I'm saying. He does not honor sin. He honors the person in the midst of their sin because honor speaks more about him than it does about us. This is the covenant relationship that God is in with us today. You see, there are no conditions to receive this blessing. However, there are natural consequences. You commit adultery and murder today, you will probably be somebody's hoochie mama in a prison. There are real consequences for your decisions today. It doesn't mean that you're not blessed. It doesn't mean that you're not a child of God. It doesn't mean that you don't carry the same anointing. There are still natural consequences for the choices that we make today. However, we are always and will always be blessed. This is the gospel message. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. This is the good news of operating in the proper covenant. No conditions. You're blessed. You're never cursed. But as Pastor talked about last week, especially in the American churches, there's this thing that we're going to call mixture, okay? You're going to learn a lot about this. You learned a lot about it last week. You're going to learn about it a lot over the next uh, several weeks, even a couple months. Our Connect groups are going to be launching a new book this fall that we're going to be going through talking about understanding the covenants that we walk in so that we don't walk in mixture. All mixture is is applying old covenant truths to your life and mixing it with grace when the reality is is we don't have to apply the old covenant laws to our lives because they don't apply to us. In fact, Andy Stanley says it this way. He says, when you mix and match covenants, you don't get the best of either. You actually get the worst of both. Pretty much everything that makes us resistible as a 21st century American church is tethered to some version of blended model theology. Everything in Exodus through Malachi, while fascinating, is not binding. It's not our covenant. 
as inspired as the old covenant still is, it has no authority over us today. Theologian N.T. Wright says it this way. He says, the Torah or the law of Moses that was given to the Israelites at Mount Sinai is given for a specific period of time and is then set aside, not because it was a bad thing now happily abolished, but because it was a good thing whose purpose has now been fully accomplished in Christ. Okay? So we're not bound to the law. We're not bound to the Ten Commandments or to the law of the Israelites. We are belonging to the family of Jesus, the family of God. We're not bound to the law. We belong to Jesus. Okay? You don't belong, you're not bound by rules or trying to be good enough. You belong to Jesus. And Jesus has already marked you with a fully approved stamp that you're his kids. This is what motivates us to live the kingdom life now, to spread hope to a humanity that so desperately needs hope. Okay? This is so important. In fact, this morning, we're going to make light of some things. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to make fun of us. Can I make fun of us? Because uh, I'm going to talk about some scriptures in the Old Covenant that I myself, okay, all, every single one of these I have misapplied to my life. So I'm going to make fun of myself, and some of you might have misapplied this. In fact, some of you might need to go to your Instagram bios and delete some of these verses because they don't apply to you, okay? That was a funny. There it is. Here we go. You ready? We're going to talk about some things in, in the Old Covenant that don't apply to us today. However, you can glean principles from these, but you cannot glean application from these. Very important to understand, and I want to say this before I do, is this is not picking and choosing which verses that you like and you don't like. It's about understanding which verses belong to which covenant. Okay, I'm going to say that again because I don't think you got it. This is not picking and choosing what verses you like and don't like. This is about understanding the context of the verses in which covenant they were given to and the people that they were given to. Okay, understand? All right. Again, I'm not saying that these weren't inspired but they're not to be implied. Ready for this one? Exodus chapter 14. Okay. There's a, actually my college roommate just, not my college roommate, one of my college teammates just posted this. He's a pastor in Virginia. He just posted this verse, and there were like hundreds of comments talking about how amazing it is. And, and guess what? The principle still applies, but it's not a verse that's written to us. In Exodus chapter 14, we're going to read it in verses 13 to 15. It says this. It says, Moses answered the people, the Israelites, okay? They're, they're escaping from captivity. They were just released. Pharaoh is about to change his mind. He's running after the Israelites, and they're at the Red Sea, okay? It hasn't parted yet, so understand the context. They're freaking out, and rightfully so. You and I would be freaking out too. Moses addresses the people, and he says, Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians that you see today coming... You will never see them again. Cool promise. Verse 14, here's the verse that we all apply. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Hold it up there for a second. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. This is Moses talking to the Israelites, okay? Now, this, the principle in this is important because God will fight for you. And there are moments where you do need to be still. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. However, this is a verse that does not apply to us today because guess what God says in the very next verse? I want you to see this. Verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Okay, if you're not laughing, you didn't pick up what just got put down. Moses is telling the Israelites, the Lord will fight for you. We need only be still. God shows up and says, why are you whining and crying out to me? Move on. The very next verse, Moses stands up, parts the Red Sea, and they walk on dry ground. They moved on. 
And I came to tell some of us today is some of us are staying still in our moments of heartbreak because we believe that God want, God's just going to come and fight for us when God gave you two hands and two feet to fight for you. Why? Because Christ lives in you. He's telling some of us to move on and know that does not apply to your marriage. See what happens when we can misapply truths? I'll pick on another one. Second Chronicles 7.14. Now, this was a word that was given to Solomon. Solomon is now teaching the Israelites this, okay? This was, again, written to the Israelites, not written to us. Specific time, a specific place, under a specific covenant. He says this, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. It sounds like a pretty cool principle. wasn't given to you. The reality is, is because of Christ, we are already forgiven. Yes, there are some truths in that sentence that you can do, but if you get a preacher coming up here and tell you, hey, you just need to turn back to God, move away from your wicked ways, humble yourself like Second Chronicles says, you are misapplying a covenant truth because the reality is, is in Christ, you are already perfected. You are already forgiven. You don't have to confess your sins unless you want to, and that makes you feel better because the reality is, is you're already forgiven. You need to wake up to it. When you realize that you're not defined by your behavior, you're defined by your belief, it changes everything. It actually changes how you behave. He continues. Here's, here, you guys ready for this one? All right, get your bios out. Half of our student ministry has to delete this from their bio. You're laughing, but it's about to hit you right in the gut. Jeremiah 29, 11. Sorry, not written to you. It says this. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Leave that up there for a, for a minute. I, w- I want to encourage you real quick because, yes, God does have a plan for your life. Yes, there is a plan to be prosperous, but guess what? That prosperity is not going to come just because you prayed for it. Again, God gave you hands and feet to do some work. Not to gain riches, but to give riches. Come on, somebody. I believe in being rich. Go get that money, boo-boo. <laughs> but then fund the kingdom. Oh, man, Christians get so uptight about this stuff. Yes, God has a hope and a future for your life. Believe it. But guess what? The hope and future was in Christ and is in you right now. Do you know that that the Israelites were given this promise right before they went into 70 years of exile under the Babylonian rule, which means they became their slaves. So if you want to apply this verse to your life, you better go over to China where there's communism and become a slave there for 70 years before you can see the fruition of this promise. The reality is, is the hope has already been given to you. We need to wake up and stop looking at our circumstances and the pity party that we have. And guess what? Trust me, I'm preaching to myself right now. Because I have these, these seasons, these circumstances in my seasons that can get me all jacked up. And then I'm all nervous. And I'm, God, where are you? He's like, I'm in you. Wake up to it. You have power. Quit walking around like a zombie. Quit walking around trying to survive life. God has given you power to thrive in life. Last one in the... Actually, no, a couple more. We're going to a couple more. Isaiah 55, I heard this so many times when people uh, don't understand things in life. Now, 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 I'm not saying that there isn't mystery, okay? There are some things that I cannot under, uh, explain. There are some things that I have, que- I have questions for God, okay? And I think it's okay to question God, okay? Did you hear that? I think it's okay to question God. It's not okay to run away from those questions and then doubt and disbelieve just because you don't have answers. Seek God. He'll give you answers. Sometimes it's not an answer that you want to hear, but he'll give you answers. Sometimes he's quiet because he wants you just to trust the process. 
But the reality is Exodus 55, 8, 9, Christians, we need to stop speaking this over Christians. It says this, God speaking to the prophet Isaiah. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And people say this to you, don't question God because his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. But the reality is, as Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, that in Christ you now have the mind of Christ. So his thoughts are your thoughts because he's empowering you with the goodness of who he is. And I'm not saying that there's not mystery. I'm not saying that we won't have answers for things. That's the reality is there's mystery in God. But specifically, this verse is not talking about God being above us intellectually, but about God's mercy trumping our sin, which at this time we didn't understand. And still today, we don't understand that God's judgment is mercy. And Christians get so uptight about this. No, I want God to come back and, 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 and give people their justice. But isn't it ironic how we want justice for other people but mercy for ourselves? It's not how God operates. God's mercy is, or God's judgment is mercy. That's how he operates. It's not fair. Thank God for that. Because this is how we're supposed to look at all people. Not with, oh, man, that person gets what they're coming. I say that every single time someone drives faster than me. But guess what? I'm already going 30 over. I hope there's a cop up there for that guy. Slow down. <laughs> That's a joke, but we do this all the time in, in, in systems and belief systems. Man, I hope, I hope the people over in the Middle East get what they get. Are you not praying for them? They're children of God. Okay. Can I make fun of the Ten Commandments real quick? Can we get a very... Um, unreligious for a moment. Don't call me a heretic yet. We're just gonna we're just gonna we're just gonna address some things. You ready? As Pastor said last week, the Ten Commandments do not apply to us today. Okay, I just want to preface this. Jesus gave one command. It's found in John thirteen thirty four. You got to come back next week to hear Pastor unpack this. But the reality is, is the command is to love as Christ has loved you. So understand that if you're loving people well, you're not going to be murdering people. You're going to be honoring your parents. You're not going to have idols in your life. It's just simplified, okay? The new command is the command of love, to put other people first. But have you ever looked at the Ten Commandments? Number five, can we pick on number five? Parents, you ready for this? Trust me, I'm gonna honor you in a second, but we're gonna, we're gonna have some fun real quick. It says, honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land your God is giving to you. This is the only command that comes with a promise. So the promise is that you'll live long if you honor your mother and your father. Well, you know what the penalty was for not honoring your mother and father under the law? Death. So, of course, you're going to live longer. <laughs> Do you know that it was actually right if a daughter dishonored a father that the father could sell the daughter into slavery? Hello, somebody. Thank God we don't live under this command today. But why do we honor our mother and father? Not so that our days will be long, but because the principle of honor is so important. Oh. Number six, can I pick on the next one? The next one, number six, who knows it? Thou shall not murder. Do you know what the penalty was for breaking number six? Murder. <laughs> so the priest, you know the holy person that they would bring this, these judgments to? Okay, this guy murdered this guy. Give him his just penalty. Okay, guess what the priest had to do? Murder. <laughs> Wait, thou shall not murder, but I have to murder you because you broke, thou shall not murder. The irony here, what does Jesus do? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This person deserves death because they killed somebody, but my system in the new covenant is let's give them grace. 
but they're a murderer. But my justice is mercy. Have you ever seen that one? I, there was a YouTube video of, of this guy that was on trial. He, he raped and murdered a ton of women, a ton of women. And, and at the trial, there's like all these victims, and they're spitting. They're like, get one last say before this dude goes on death row. And he, the guy that, that committed all these crimes is just like mean mugging, like Stone Cold Steve Austin. And the, these people are just spitting all this hate. Do you know what you did to our family? You're going to rot in hell, all this other stuff. And, and like the last person in the video stands up and says, look, what you did to my kid, I hate you for it. But the God that I serve calls me to forgive you. And, and in this video, you can YouTube it. I don't know what it is, but you can YouTube it. The guy offers forgiveness to this dude. As soon as the guy offers forgiveness, the, the murder and rapist broke. He starts weeping. You need to understand that a lot of people do things because of the environments that they grew up in. And if we could be people that were less judgmental and offered a hand up, the hand of Christ, do you, do you understand the power that we could do in this country, in this city, if people started recognizing the love that we have because we don't judge people by their actions and behavior because God doesn't judge us by our actions and behavior? This is the kingdom of God, folks. This is the covenant that we live in. The beautiful thing about who Jesus is. Let's talk about Jesus in the red letters. I've come across pastors that say, I'm just a red letter kind of guy. Well, the reality is, is when Jesus was speaking, he was still speaking to Jews under the law. So some of the things that Jesus even says do not apply to us. The principles are great, but he was addressing Jews under a Jewish system, and he was establishing a new covenant. In fact, John 14, 6, this is a verse that a lot of people misunderstand. I misunderstood it until this year. I caught the revelation of it. John 14, 6, Jesus is speaking. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, except through Jesus. And every single time I always preach this as a salvation call. But do you know that this has nothing to do with an afterlife destination? It doesn't. It has everything to do with catching the covenantal system. Jesus in this moment is trying to help people understand that he is the way, the truth, and the life to know God as a dad and not as a judge. He is the way to fatherhood. Why? Because in the old covenant, the Israelites only knew God as a judge. But because of what Christ did, now we can know God as a daddy, the God he has always been, the God he has always wanted to be, even to the Israelites, even though they chose him. Your God in heaven He's a father, and he loves you unconditionally, and he desires you. He likes who you are and not who you should be because you'll never be who you should be. In fact, I, I took all that time to get to our scripture tonight, and I'm landing the plane. We're almost done here. But if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 17. There's this crazy story in Matthew chapter 17. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screens behind me. But there's this story that I never quite understood until I started to understand covenants. Matthew chapter 17, in verse 1, it says this. This is the story of the transfiguration. Crazy story. I'm about to unpack it for you. It says this. After six days, so on the seventh day, seven is the number of completion. On the seventh day, the day of completion, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his bros. And he led them up to a high mountain by themselves. There, Jesus was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Now, he's actually on some drugs, or maybe this is just a really cool scene. Because Moses and Elijah were dead. Okay, you guys freaked out with this passage yet? 
There's something going on, and God is trying to communicate something to us today through this story. It says, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, as if to say, hey, I'm going to build three altars, and we're going to worship everybody in this party. God interrupts him, verse 5, check this out, while he was still speaking. God the Father says, shut up, you idiot. Just kidding, he didn't say that. He said, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. Turn to your neighbor and say, listen to him. Turn to the other person you ignored and say, listen to him. Listen to who? When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them and said, get up, little brothers. Don't be afraid. I'm here. Ain't no thing. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. What in the world just happened in this moment? What happened in this moment is Jesus was showing Peter, James, and John that their religious system that they were living in was wrong. Now, understand who these figures are. Moses is the guy that got the law. He represents the law in the story, the Old Covenant, the Ten Commandments. Elijah is the great prophet. He represents all the prophets in the Old Testament. Jesus is the Son of God. In this moment, when God tells Peter to shut up and listen to Jesus, what he's doing is he's tearing down their religious system of building altars to the Old Covenant, of building altars to the prophets, and saying, listen to Jesus. Everything that I've tried to say in the Old Testament looks to and bows to this dude standing right in front of you. Listen to him. It's all about Jesus. It's about Jesus plus nothing equals everything. It's not about the law. It's not about the prophets. It's only about Jesus see religious people and their desire to condemn sinners quote the Bible and cite Moses, but Jesus says something completely different. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. This is why we must read the, the scriptures through the lens of Jesus. Did you know that this even happened to disciples on the road to Emmaus right after Jesus was crucified? Right, Jesus shows up and they don't recognize him and for seven miles they walk and Jesus unpacks the scriptures to them. And do you know that it tells us that these two people knew the scriptures, but they couldn't recognize Jesus? And I think there's a lot of 21st century Americans walking around that can cite the Bible but don't know Jesus. Because you read the Bible through the wrong lens. We don't worship the Bible. We worship the God that is revealed in the Bible. Those are two different things. Jesus is way better than you think he is. You see, when you read the Old Testament through the lens of Jesus, you see history, proper context, and prophetic fulfillment that Jesus accomplished, do you know that it was nearly impossible for a prophet to fulfill eight prophecies in their lifetime? Jesus fulfilled over 360, including 29 in one day. Jesus is the Messiah. Again, I'm not saying that the Old Testament scriptures aren't inspired. You just have to understand their proper covenant. The covenant that God gave to Noah was through humanity, right? That God will never flood the earth again. He gives us the promise of the rainbow. The covenant that God gave to Abraham and to David were to specific people. Guess what? Those promises get fulfilled in Jesus, and now we reap the benefits of those promises that were given to Abraham and David. In fact, in Galatians 3.29, Paul said this, If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Your name is now great because Abraham's name was now great, and Abraham, Jesus, comes through the line of Abraham and David. We are great, not because you have anything great to offer, but because a great God lives in you. That's a good place to pat yourself on the back because you have the king of kings living inside of you. 
There's nothing you can't do. There is nothing you can't do. Some of you need to maybe say that again and again because you're going to go into the workforce this week and you're going to doubt your your gifts, you're going to doubt your abilities, but there is nothing that you can't do. Our job as pastors isn't to do ministry. Our job is to equip you and encourage you and be your biggest cheerleaders for you to do the ministry. Come on, you have ministry. It might not be a stage and a microphone. It might be a recording studio. It might be politics. It might be government. It might be teaching. It might be raising some great kids. Come on, you have influence. You have impact. We're trying to help you recognize that. If you don't leave this place encouraged, I don't know what you were listening to this morning. Abraham, the the, the covenant that God gave to Moses was to a specific nation, and it was fulfilled in Christ. It was a covenant relationship that God never wanted to have with people. He didn't want to just operate through one priest. He wanted to operate through all priests. Guess what? You're a priest. You're royal priesthood. You're royalty. You're a prince and a, and a princess seated at the king's table, and he delights in your company. He delights in you. In fact, if I could get somebody to come up here and, and help me land this plane, I told you that where I'm gonna, about to go is where pastor's going to pick up next week in this conversation about covenants. If you read the scriptures without the lens of Jesus, you will misinterpret and misapply truths that were not given to you. I want to submit to you today that a lot of people have no problem with Jesus. They only have a problem with the Old Testament God, but the Old Testament God was misrepresented because the people chose to be in a covenant relationship with him that he never wanted. It's really, really important to understand. So Jesus gets crucified, and there's seven things that Jesus says on the cross. One of those being, it is finished, right before he died. And a lot of Christians think that it is finished means, you know, he just died, he conquered a couple things, right? He conquered sin and death. And on the cross, Christ conquered sin and death. Guess what? Your sin is fully paid for in full. You are a permanently forgiven human being at all times, even in the midst of your sin. The only reason why people sin is because they misunderstand that they're already a son or a daughter in the kingdom of God. They're believing a lie about themselves. The things that you want in your life are actually kingdom purposed. You just have the wrong mindset. But do you know that there's actually four things that Jesus accomplishes when he says it is finished? It wasn't just sin and death. Those were two of the four. In fact, before Jesus goes to the cross in John 17, he's praying to his father, and he tells his dad, Dad, I've accomplished the work you've called me to do. He's still alive, folks. He's not at the cross. So what was the work that God called Jesus to do if it wasn't just to die for humanity? In John 17, it tells us that he raised up sons and daughters and sent them out. That was his accomplished work to raise up sons and daughters, send them out. Dude, our accomplished work is in raising up sons and daughters in their true identity and sending them out to be a difference maker in the world. The last thing that Jesus on the cross says when he says it is finished, the last thing he accomplished, the law. As if to say, we're not bound by the law anymore. The law does not apply to you. We are only under one law. It's the law of love, loving others as Christ has loved us. It's not even loving your neighbor as yourself because you don't even love yourself some days. Come on. You don't love yourself very well some days. But in Christ, man, God loves you unconditionally. It's a love that's easy to understand, but it's really hard to live out because that means you got to love the person you look down on the least. It is finished. Folks, we don't operate under the old covenant today. We operate under the new covenant, the covenant of love, the covenant of grace, 
the thing that actually gives us real hope because we get to walk out in power knowing that we're sons and daughters of God. I want you to read you a verse and then we'll close with a song. You ready to worship? If you don't read the Passion Translation, I encourage you to do so. I think it represents the heart of God better than any of the other translations. It says this in Romans 8.15. He says, You do not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned. For as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved father. In the kingdom of God, you don't ever have to walk around wondering if you're not good enough because what Christ did through you, for you, is he made you good enough. It would be an atrocity today if you left this place without a full confidence in who you are as a son or daughter in the kingdom of God. You're very capable because a great God lives in you. You're very loved in spite of the things that you think that you're unlovable about. God has a purpose for your life. And that purpose is to make his name great. His purpose is to take the wounds in your life and turn them into weapons of testimonies, saying that there is nothing in my past that can hinder from my destiny in Christ. God's a good dad. He always has been. There are some things that he does because he's operating in a specific covenant to a specific nation. But that covenant has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. We now can can stand in front of God with full confidence because it's not based on our behavior. It's based on our belief in Jesus. Guess what? So many Christians walk around hoping that they'll hear the phrase when they get to heaven, well done, my good and faithful servant. I came here to tell you, you are already a good and faithful servant because the good and faithful servant lives in you. There's only been one. And that's all that matters. So when you stand before God, the Father, and he says, what have you done with your life? You look at the son, you say, I believed in that guy. And he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Because your belief in Jesus will transform the way that you live.